Um, they can also buy beer in growlers, but since the Cox Brewing Company is in the industrial zone, they can't purchase beer by the glass. So it sounds like you can get free tastings and buy a growler while you're there. So um, they have four beers, uh, 82nd Amber Ale, Liberty Lager, CH47 India Pale Ale, and Warthog Wit. Mm. And so they have a website at coxbrewingcompany.com. And uh, I figure we should also make a <laughs> venture out that way, although they close pretty early. I just want to... <laughs> I want to see if they have T-shirts that say "I got reams by the cocks." <laughs> <laughs> We're already coming up with ideas off the top of our yeah, head. Yeah. If they fly you, is it a cock block? <laughs> yeah. I'm right. skeptical, but but it might turn out I like cocks in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for your news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who believes that Andy Warhol would have been a bigger genius if he'd used cans of PBR over Campbell's Soup, <laughs> Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who dream, whose dream is to can his own homebrew, Mike Albright. With us, drinking a beer from cans until the world runs out of aluminum, is Emily Landis. And of course, the man whose audio skills can make a tin can telephone sound like Skype, the man far, far too fabulous for Facebook, Jesse Clark. Today is August 4th, 2015, and we are recording episode 60, Can Do Attitude. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our new and improved website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. We recently fixed a bug with Safari, so uh, check it out if you haven't been able to listen to episodes. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. Our podcast is available on Stitcher, and we have moved our entire catalog of episodes over to SoundCloud as well. We provide news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out, and subscribe today. This week, we gathered comfortably in our outdoor studio to sip a beer straight from the can, or bottle, or glass. We are really agnostic in terms of the vessel that carries our delicious brew from brewery to table. Yet tonight, we celebrate the rebirth of beer in cans, which leads us into this episode's opening question. If you were going to make another alcoholic beverage in cans, what would it be and why? So, Mike, why don't we start with you? All right. So, having had a wonderfully made one over this past weekend, I believe I would prefer a margarita in a can. Mm. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Mike, Budweiser already cans a margarita in just about every fake fruit flavor that Uh. you can think of. And yes, you would be correct. But I would actually enjoy a well-done, emphasis on the well, Margarita with delicious lime juice and actual tequila that could be portably carried in an aluminum vessel. I can't say I'm a huge fan of the orchestrated monstrosity of the bulbous martini glass that margaritas are usually served in. Uh, But while I like salt as much as the next person, I, perhaps blasphemously so, prefer them without the salt. And the beauty of canned drinks, at least for accident-prone people like myself, is that they pretty much contain whatever contents are kept therein. And for a delicious, albeit sticky mess from hell, when spilled, drink such as the margarita. A can is just the thing one could use while slowly getting sun poisoning out on the beach. Which I actually avoided. I, I actually uh, had plenty of suntan lotion on and really didn't get all that burned. What beach did you go to? Broadkill. Where's that? Basically Ken- Cape Henlopen. Okay. Broadkill? That's the name of it. It's right below Slaughter Beach. Where, who's naming these beaches? <laughs> people that don't want other people coming to that beach. Because okay. it's actually a very nice Delawareans, beach. Delawareans, <laughs> it turns out, can't name anything. There's a town called Smyrna. Smyrna. And we then Delmarva. Yeah, Pennsylvania's pretty bad at it, too. Yeah, but they're 
beaches. Intercourse, blue balls, bird yeah. in hand. We got some dirty, dirty town names. Yeah. We do, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing for naming conventions, but <laughs> that's what we have. The town of Cleveland Steamer. <laughs> <laughs> the rusty trombone town. <laughs> Lovely. <clears throat> well, uh, Jesse, what did you come up with? Well, all right, so um, I decided to change it a little bit. I decided to change the can, and I'm going to change it. It's going to be called the Surreptitious Coke. Because it's actually not Coke. It's going to. It's because so many. Okay, today I was in a meeting, and I and you can. I could be drinking something else. Where is this going? What's that? Where is this going? I'm following you. No, you're not. Because you're talking. (laughs) He was setting it up. He was setting it up. Okay, you were. You were. Look, I was at a meeting, and it was boring, and it was really long, and we could be sipping other things. People were there were sipping cans of Coke, and I'm like, what happens if I had instead something that looked like a Coke, but it was a beer, Uh, a surreptitious Coke? So it's not actually that. You're actually drinking beer, (gasps) but it's in a Coke can. I love it. I think that's a great idea. It could even have a name, dumb name on the side, like Legend, but there's really just beer in it. Exactly. Be, maybe there'll be some kind of cute little like riddle like if you were like wait a second you know oh easy on the side of the can it would say share this coke with like oh. the campaign right now and it would say hops and then you would know <laughs> that it wasn't actually coca-cola but instead an oat soda yes <laughs> what if you actually spelled out beer with like the coca-cola font do you think it would, it would probably take people a while to be yeah. like wait a minute <laughs> yeah it's not a c <laughs> it's a yeah. it's close in the alphabet yeah and beer cola yeah uh, well, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Tried that with wine. They were putting wine into empty soda cans and drinking that, and it got pretty ugly pretty Ew. quick, as you can imagine. Well, then it can't. The, the wine can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. Don't think that's I can't what they were see why about. it would go wrong. <laughs> yeah. They do can wine though, don't they? I've seen it. Um, pretty sure they do. Huh. Really? Yeah, it, not too many vineyards are, but I think some are actually canning wine. Holy crap. Are these the same ones who are putting it in bags? I I can only imagine, yes. The look of incredulity and disgust yeah. on Jesse's face right now. Yeah. He considers yeah. wine yeah. coming from anything but a bottle. Pretty soon it'll be in a gallon milk jug. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no. That, my mom used to buy giant uh, glass jugs. They do of make wine. glass jugs, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. They Ooh, make the ones that are or... soft sided. You know, kind of like. Oh. Um, they sell high-end soups at the grocery store. Oh, yeah, store. like that Tetra Pak. Yeah, the like Tetra Pak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I've answer. never seen it in a can. Chances are good PA liquor stores aren't going to be stocking them anytime <laughs> soon. No, no, no. True, true. So, Emily, what would you put in a can? Oh, well, um, it turns out the Paloma, not the Margarita, is Mexico's most beloved cocktail, and mm. that's what I would have. I'm wild for grapefruit juice, so I would go for a blend of uh, grapefruit soda and tequila with Ooh. a splash of lime juice, maybe a little bit of salt and sugar. Mix it up, refreshing in a glass. That actually sounds really, really good. Oh, yeah. I'd be down for that. Awesome. And Rob, what would you do? Well, my go-to beverage choice is obviously great-tasting beer. Though having been eating smaller portions in a desperate attempt to lose inches off my waistline, having three or four heavy beers leaves me in a markedly worse state than it used to a few months ago. Sometimes I might be inclined to enthusiastically sip a whiskey ginger when attempting to more adequately pace myself, but the creation I want canned for my pleasure is perhaps my favorite early morning drink, the mimosa. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't imagine that pre-mixing this would be a great idea within a can, but I do believe that science and engineering can solve this conundrum for us. I would split the can into two sections, one containing a half of champagne, the other containing delicious orange juice. One would pop the top like any other can, but when pouring the concoction into a glass, the two would mix into a combination known only as the best brunch drink to be invented. 
I can imagine taking canned mimosas on many a park picnic without worrying that the authorities and environmentalists would bitch about the potential of broken glass all over the beloved woodlands. It would be a great addition to a great beverage. I like that. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I'm in favor of all of these ideas. You hear that, angel investors? We have business propositions. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody's already done it, and it's going to be our next Slumminit segment. I yes. guarantee it. Uh, I thought about already done what? Of Cocktails in a can. Who? Well, I was thinking of doing Made Bloody Bud Mary. Mm. Oh, oh, I was. Are at... you talking about the chilada? No, it's a different different version. Oh. So where I was evidently dick dialing you guys again. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I was at Tiffany Apple's wedding with Jared Wolf, and uh, it was a pretty amazing event though. They uh, they got married in New York. But anyway, it was on a farm, and uh, they got married on the farm, and then you camped at the farm overnight. That's cool. And you just got, it was a lot of, it was a big bonfire, and everyone got very, very drunk. But that next, yes, there was a lot of, there was a lot of that. Um, The next morning, though, had there been, like, canned, like, uh, Bloody Marys, I think that would have been perfect. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Like, wake up and, like, I've got the worst hangover ever, and... If I had a can Bloody Mary. Yeah, put a can in it. Yeah. yeah. Bring a can of it. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, we should actually see if that exists, and if not, potentially make it happen. I don't know how you do champagne. That would be hard, but um, canning champagne would be hard. But Bloody Mary sounds totally possible. Your drink sounded totally possible. Oh, yeah. It's already soda. No. Just add tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Done. That's called Mexican champagne. <laughs> oh. There's a Chris Pratt Trump. segment where uh, he's on the... <laughs> so uh, Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt are on the red carpet, and a um, Spanish-language channel uh, interviewer comes up and says, um, you know, Mexico is famous for having its own champagne. Would you like to try some? And Chris Pratt gets this weird look on his face and goes, Mexican champagne? He goes, no, seriously, it's a thing. Do you want to have some? And he's like, all right. So the guy hands him a little little shot glass, and he says, you just got to drink it all at once. So pops in his mouth. Chris Pratt swallows and goes... Yep, that's tequila. <laughs> <laughs> and we all had a good giggle. It was great. Um, so anyway, let's move on to a little beer news. Beer news. So uh, looks like uh, we got a little bit of local news. Break out the local news. Right. Yeah. So the first article is Tattered, Fla- Tattered Flag Brewery and Still Works is a go in Middleton. So apparently... Um, Wait, sorry, what? Middleton? Tattered Flag Brewery and Stillworks is headed for Middleton. Mil- this, Middle isn't, this isn't Britain. Yeah, it's, well, it's Middletown. Middletown. <laughs> Middletown. Is that in the county? The Lank Lank County? The Lank Lank County? Uh, Middletown? No, it's Dolphin County. Dol- yeah, I was going to say. I thought it was oh. the Harrisburg area. Okay. Um, but apparently um, they are planning to remodel the Elks building in Middletown and to bring in a brew pub and distillery. So it's, uh, and this is making me feel quite old, it's uh, four guys who graduated in 2000 who've had a dream for about 15 years, and they have been spending the last 16 months, slowly but surely, plugging through the process of opening their own brewery. So they recently had a council... A wait, bro- wait, wait, go back. They, they graduated from what in 2000? High school. Oh, high school. Yeah. Wait, Susque- didn't you just graduate in 1999? I graduated in 2000, so I'm the same age as these oh, guys. Oh, you... Aww. Yeah, I graduated in 98, so yeah. suck it, everyone. 98. Yeah. And you don't have your own brewery yet. Why don't you have your own brewery, well, She was just brewing at a professional brewery. <laughs> Gypsy Brewing doesn't care. I have one in my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these guys are making it happen. So they recently were at a... Um, Living the dream. Borough Council meeting. 
Um, and so they wanted to see about actually approving this. So it turns out that they've had the largest number of people turn out to the council meeting um, with 75 to 100 people actually attending. Ooh. And nobody had anything but to say but positives. Wow. So yeah. uh, it turns out that uh, the community is totally happy. That really surprises um, me. They're going to get some financing from a revis- revitalization um, fund good, good. Uh, for Middletown. And uh, so they will be, looks like they're going to be loaned $400,000 to purchase the building, um, which is pretty awesome. And uh, they're going to make this pretty awesome brewery out of it. So it sounds pretty cool. Booze is revitalization. That's so, the world we live in. That's well, that's a beautiful thing. When you have more people show up to the, do we want to have a brewery in Middletown? And more people show up for that <laughs> than like, let's talk about any of the other problems. <laughs> Middletown, you know that something is, is in high demand. Did they say why it's Tattered Flag Brewery? Is this a patriotic thing? I don't know. Okay. I don't think they discussed that. But uh, when they open, uh, we'll have to go mm. and visit, and we'll get the get to low down. Get to the bottom of that. Down low. Yeah. So, uh, other local news: Cox Brewing Company. That's C O X Brewing <laughs> Company. Uh, open why? its tasting room. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's uh, their logo is CBC for Cox Brewing Company. And it has the head of an eagle and the head of a lion, I think. So there's not even like a rooster on it or anything. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be going there. Anyway, the guy's probably name is Cox. Anyway, it's a... Uh, <laughs> a lot n- of missed opportunities. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, they have a tasting bar um, for a nano brewery in Reims. So they officially have opened. And uh, their tasting bar is open from 8 to 5 Wednesdays, Fridays. And they're open from noon to 3 on Saturdays in the industrial building at 276 Heisey Quarry Road in Elizabethtown. Um, so visitors can sample beer at a bar that has standing room for 10. Um, they can also buy beer in growlers, but since the Cox Brewing Company is in the industrial zone, they can't purchase beer by the glass. So it sounds like you can get free tastings and buy a growler while you're there. So um, they have four beers, uh, 82nd Amber Ale, Liberty Lager, CH47 India Pale Ale, and Warthog Wit. Ooh. And so they have a website at coxbrewingcompany.com. And uh, I figure we should also make a <laughs> venture out that way, although they close pretty early. I just want to <laughs> I want to see if they have T-shirts that say, I got reams by the Cox. <laughs> <laughs> We're already coming up with ideas off the top of yeah, our head. Yeah. If they fly you, is it a cock block? <laughs> yeah, I'm right. skeptical, but, but it might turn out I like Cox in my face. <laughs> In, in your mouth, you mean? <laughs> Whatever. In the general area. Like that. Oh, gosh. The, the head. The, oh, no. Uh, and so, so, I'm sorry. What beer is it? We're going to wit, a pale ale, a uh, IPA, a lager. And, uh, yeah. Everybody's making a lager. It's... Enough to fill all the holes in the human body. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I'm glad we have a woman on the show now. <laughs> That's dirty, Emily. That's dirty. I said that, I'd be accused of being a raging sexist. So thank you. Thank you for jumping oh, on that Welcome grenade. to a new world. <laughs> I love it. Visitors can sample beer at a bar that has standing room for 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's a small place. So in a final bit of local beer news, there is a local beer docu- documentary now online. Hmm. So apparently, Brewed in the Berg is a local feature-length document documentary produced by Harrisburg Video Production Company, GK Visual, and it's now available online on Vimeo. So it's all about um, the local slash quasi-regional um, brewing scene in Harrisburg. So uh, 
The article that we have from HarrisburgRegionalChamber.org gets a little bit uh, advertising about how awesome this great thing and how they discovered not only interviews with brewers, but how awesome the Harrisburg brewing and craft beer communities are. Yeah. And while I'm not surprised that craft beer people are good people who enjoy supporting their local breweries, um, it is kind of interesting. So they went through a full list of... Um, they interviewed a lot of people. So they have uh, Chris and John Trogner from Trogues. Um, they have Ryan DeLutis from Brewery at Hershey. They have um, Sturge, guy from Sturge's Speakeasy. They have a couple of home brewers. They have Terry Hawkbaker from Pizza Boy slash Intangible Ales. Um, they have a guy from Hophead's Gear, so that obviously wouldn't even be um, brewing and stuff. They have distributors, Victory Brewing, Molly Pitcher Brewing Company, Market Cross Pub and Brewery. Um, some chamber members, um, hop providers, um, Bang Tap, which I've never heard of before. Excuse me. And so, uh, yeah, you heard me. Okay. And uh, ABC, Milbach Brewing Company, and uh, Zero Day Brewing Company. So, like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, a bunch of folks from Stouts and Stilettos. Oh, um, what's that? Uh, it is a female brewery, I think. Oh, why'd they have to wear heels? <laughs> I don't think they brew in them, you know? Oh. I'm just saying. I bet they do. But uh, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. It's uh, looks like it's on Keep Vimeo, dreaming, and they're, <laughs> they're basically bending just over up there. the hot brew pot and oh, heels. All that steam. Whoa. <laughs> Go Again, on, Rob. I would get screwed for being sexist for making these comments, and Emily's. Lo- I, thank God we have a woman on the show. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's totally free on Vimeo. They're looking for uh, donations via the tip jar on Vimeo, but uh, it's something that I think I want to sit down and actually read because um, while we're yeah. good with. Quote, yeah. quote, central PA. Hmm. Um, this is a lot of places we haven't been, uh, haven't really uh, had experience to, and I really kind of want to see what they have to say about brewing in Pennsylvania. Exactly. There's still tons of places up there that we haven't had the chance to get to yet, just like that Zero Day and a couple of others that are in the Harrisburg area. So, yeah, yeah I'll check that out, too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, go Dauphin County. Yeah. Greater so, Harrisburg, yeah. Dolphins. With that, let's move on to a little uh, regional news. So, Mike. <laughs> All right, so this encompasses the whole state of Pennsylvania because guess what's coming? New Belgium comes to Pennsylvania. <gasps> Bikes! Beer! We have been getting a bunch of new breweries to the area over the past few months, and now we are set to get one of the big boys. You probably have heard of New Belgium, whether through fervent word of mouth or seeing the copious neon bicycle signs in every bar and distributor uh-huh. south of the Mason-Dixon line. They added an East Coast facility in every West Coast brewer's favorite place to set up shop. Asheville, North Carolina, and they've literally installed themselves in just about every bar in the D.C. metro area, Mm -hmm. much like Yingling has around here. After what I am sure was careful consideration of adding additional capacity as well as some lucrative contract negotiations, we will now see New Belgium throughout the state starting August 31st, so pretty much just the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And New Belgium brings their uh, well uh, world-renowned beers, um, because they do distribute, I believe, to actually out of the states. They have Fat Tire, which is uh, probably their big one, and they it's also amber, right? Yes, amber ale. They also have uh, their other 10-year round beers, which is Ranger IPA, which I do love. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good IPA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have Rampant Imperial IPA, Shift Pale Lager, Slow Ride Session IPA, Snapshot Wheat, Sunshine Wheat, 1554 Black Lager. That's my favorite. The I've 1554 that. is good. outstanding. Blue Paddle Pilsner, which I have not seen, uh, an Abbey Belgian Ale and a Triple Ale, which I've had the Triple. It's pretty decent. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, they also release the actual distributors that are getting it. So if you just kind of are curious, uh, the ones around here that I recognize are Ace Spear Distributors from York, I believe, and W and L, which are up in the Harrisburg area. Okay. Well, prepare for the onslaught. I mean, 
They've got some marketing dollars to spend. And when they came into D.C., it was swift and complete. I mean, every bar went from, like, you know, doing what it was doing to having a neon bicycle in the window and, like, total top takeover. Well, and Ace distributes pretty well around here, that's for sure. Mm. Um, I'd be curious to see, like, what would a place a la Kildee's kickoff tap for Fat Tire? I mean, you're going to have... Hildes, Bud, Coors, Miller, Yingling, and then like, what? Which one of them are you kicking off for yeah, uh, exactly. Fat Tire? You know, that's a that's a hard sell. So I'll be curious to see what uh, ends up getting replaced around here. And a lot of these distributors were like Miller Coors, like big Miller Coors distributors. So I'm yeah. sure that was probably definitely a part of the negotiations too. Like, what can you guarantee us? Yeah. Mm. Like, are they going to kick out Yingling? I can't imagine they're going to kick out Yingling. But no, no, I can't Sammy imagine Adams that. Where it's at. So New Belgium was the one that got the. Um, sweetheart deal in North Carolina for an East Coast distributor, right? Probably. Yeah. Pennsylvania was briefly considered. We almost got it just outside of Philadelphia mm-hmm. yeah. a couple of years back and then they chose North Carolina. I, know. I probably threw more money at them. It might have been break. for the best, honestly. I think honestly. they did because I think it was still Corbett, I think, at the time, right? In office when they were trying to make that deal and I think he sort of balked at giving mm-hmm. them any more, mm-hmm. capitulating anymore. When I lived out west, um, you know, it flows like water. Uh, when I lived in Arizona, um, Fat Tire and Pyramid just kind of ruled the roost. And this was back in the early 2000s. So, I mean, they've been around forever. They're churning out a huge amount of beer. And uh, their quality is really good. So they're going to be a major player. Uh, little guys beware is kind of my take on it. Well, I'm hoping that some of the specialty shops, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, like, maybe the fridge will have a tap takeover day and then mm-hmm. be done with it um, and have just the bottles. That would be great. Like, I don't mind having the option for the bottles, but it would be a shame if other major um, good bars were dropping more local stuff for having their beers on tap. Yeah. You know, especially regularly. Like, every every time you go in there, there's a new fat tire yeah. on, or um, new Belgium on, on tap would be kind of... Eh, You're right. It would be ideal if they were competing more with a, you know, Miller Coors, etc. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Mike, tell us about this new segment. So if you'll indulge me quick, I just want to try a quick experiment. Uh, Basically, I'm calling it a tale of two beers. So I'm going to go in and prepare real quick. I'm going to grab two beers. I'm going to bring them out. You will not know what they are. You're going to go into this blind. I'm going to pass them around, and I want you to give me your comments on them. So I'll be right back. It's a mystery. Ooh, this All is right. so new. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I've been watching it's, Wet Hot American Summer. It's so I guess I don't have to write new music good. for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> it's like an episode of Space Ghost or something. I always thought it was like the weirdest, creepiest noise, and I'm like, I'll take it. Which they probably ripped off of something previously, but uh, yeah, the cicadas or whatever the hell those things are are loud as fuck. Yeah. We get it. You're trying to mate. <laughs> Do it. Get over with. Lightning bugs are still happy. Yeah. Out and about. Frolicking. It's freaky when people like, like uh, my British friends are over currently, and uh, they do not have lightning bugs in in the UK. And like, the first time he saw a lightning bug, even as a male in his mid thirties, it was sort of like a childlike glee and wonder <laughs> oh. of being. <gasps> this magical glowing <laughs> thing flying through the air it was pretty adorable to be honest Aww, pretty adorable the world is sparkling i imagine it's like somebody who's never seen snow seeing snow for the first time falling would be like <laughs> what the shit is going on this is magical well we're like 
fuck, I gotta shovel this shit when it's done. <laughs> NBD, that's just Pennsylvania state bug. <laughs> NBD. No big deal. Okay. Nothing but. <laughs> uh, I don't know every abbreviation, but I generally know the stupid ones that Emily comes up with. I don't know all the TLAs, that being three letter acronyms. I well, the problem is were... when you get to the FLAs, because that can either be four-letter acronyms or five-letter acronyms. Uh, <laughs> that's problematic. <laughs> so there's some um, ambiguity there. That, um, but I thought it was no big yeah. whoop, Emily. No big whoop, <laughs> not no big deal. You're so right. <laughs> WTW, what the what? <laughs> WTE sharp. <laughs> You music nerds out there, all my music students, they hear, they hear me say that in music theory class. They're like, oh! <laughs> uh, that's really good, Jesse. I love that. Yeah. We got Kevin laughing about that one at uh, Kamash's wedding. W-T-E sharp. <laughs> Nerd Wasn't that It's a class of 98 thing. Podcast? You wouldn't understand, Were we not drunk Rob? talking about that? Like... Several months ago, I did it. No, I, did, I made it up a long time ago. Oh, okay. But I may have. I'm sure I brought, brought it up here. I brought it up several times. Like I'm in music theory class, and we'll like, and I'll say that. <laughs> T sharp. <laughs> yeah. Where's Mike with our beer? Anyway, yeah, I think that's the mystery. What's he doing in <laughs> no, there? What beer is? Them? Where'd no, the beer go? He's masking them carefully. He doesn't want be, us to be. I, I predict influenced. it's going to be Corona Light versus. Miller Lite. and we'll see how that goes. Oh, God. Or it's going to be something like, uh, you know, like uh, KBS versus some crappy stout from, like, anywhere. And we're going to be like, mmm, these taste equally delicious. And it'll be like, or surprise, that, one of them is amazing and one or of them the, is not. The KBS versus that stout that we had at Hunger and Thirst. Oh, that was my really God, good. the Sunday morning stout. Yeah. Oh, that oh. was a good. That was amazing. Well, they don't look like stouts. Maybe it'll be a Vester Levin versus Pliny. Well, it's going to be the heady one versus the non-heady one, that's for sure. One of these beers has a thin and respectable, well, actually a little weak, but a head, and then the other one has like four fingers of head. So what we have is we have two beers in front of you. Yes, like Rob just mentioned, one is very heady and one is not. Uh, one is in a Star Hill pint glass, the other is in a Victory pint glass. That is not indicative of what beers they are. So what I want you to do is I want you to take a um, you know, drink of each and think i want you to basically tell me which one you prefer either the star hill the victory or maybe if you think they're about the same and oh yeah that's the that's just the wood and maybe maybe wait till the very end to say which one you prefer uh just that way you don't sway each other's uh opinions. Mm. that victory is good <laughs> Mike's cackling to himself right now. Am I passing this around? We're How did you keep yeah, this a so. secret, just Mike? Count, counterclockwise. How did you keep this a secret? Hmm, I just don't tell anybody what I'm thinking. Clever girl. <laughs> oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> WT Sharp. I'm worried that you phrased that as a question. <laughs> Now that all three of us have had a sip of the of the victory, I don't want to bias Emily's opinion since she's going last. Um, I like the smell on that; it was very nice. I feel like it's pretty well balanced. Uh, a little bitterness on the end, but um, 
nice and sweet and a decent mouthfeel mouth on it. That was actually a pretty nice beer. I'm going to assume it's some sort of like IPA. Okay. Is this a Lagunitas brown sugar substitute ale? Um, I'm not going to tell you to the very end. Oh. That would be a good guess. I might go with that. The socks you're saying? No. Or a little something. Uh, brown sugar. A little. Oh yeah, there's no, the brown Sucks sugar. No, socks has that as the as their as their subtitle, the, the brown sugar substitute. Yeah, that's the one year that they fucked it up, and then it turned out it was better than what they than their <laughs> the brown sugar. <laughs> in my humble opinion, anyway, and it was so good that they kept making it. Um, mm. but yeah, I think you're all right, Jesse. That the socks was based on a error in making a batch of the brown sugar, so they basically said. Sorry, we fucked up, and that's the birth of the um, sucks. That's why I don't like the smell quite as bit as much. Hmm. I feel like there was less carbonation in that one. Sweeter, definitely sweeter. Yeah, that was my response. <laughs> it's like, did you just drink some seawater? Yeah. Ugh. There's salt. Yeah, I. Yeah, take another sip of that. Following sweet, it's like I've got seawater and like sweet beer combining in my mouth right now. That was my opinion of it too. I like the first one more. Hmm. Was it a skanky Uh. bottle or? Did I have that back? Yeah. You didn't taste the seawater. Yeah, I was gonna say. You said it was sweeter. The the second the Starry Hill glass. Hmm. Well, the first one was an IPA. Yeah, I don't think I sort, cleared out my taste buds. But I see what Emily's saying now after a sip of water. Yep. It's like sweet then salty. Yeah. But yeah. not as good as a Paloma. No. Yeah, there is definitely um. Yeah, like I wouldn't say that it's a Goza, but it certainly has a salty flavor to it. Hmm. Like salty. I didn't quite have as adverse of a reaction as Emily wanting to spit it on the floor, but um, yeah. No, oh. I was right there. I definitely the victory is. I would have more victory. Yeah, I haven't drank that. Yeah, the first one. I'd rate probably. What do you want to go for ratings here? What would you rate the victory, Jesse? Well, I rate things a little bit higher than you guys. Okay, that's fine. I've noticed that on uh, Untapped. Um, I would put that as. uh, May I try it again? I I was thinking it was either like a four or four two five. Yeah, I'd put that at a four two five. Yep. I was gonna say three point seven five. I like it. I'd drink it again for sure. Yeah. Yep. And what beer did you think this was? If you had to guess, it's a. Uh, if I had to guess a beer, I would never. I am terrible at that. Um, I like Emily's what? guess was not too bad. I thought it was maybe a little a hoppy enough to maybe be an IPA, although it was nicely okay. balanced. Yeah, style. So you think an IPA for the first one? Yeah. 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 Or a strong ale. Okay. Pale ale. And what do you think style for the second one? Oh, I have no idea. Is that like that saltwater thing from boobs? <laughs> That's all I remember. I've been led to believe Gozas have salt in them, they and that definitely them. had salt in it. Okay. But I don't buy that. It does. Gozas usually also have a, a bit of a sour and a lighter yeah, feel to yeah. it than sour. that. I don't. I like a, I'm going to go with like a catch-all of like a saison or something. I have no idea oh, what gosh. that would be. Yeah. yeah. You're very good. Well, this sort of this experiment both worked and failed at the same time miserably. So what <laughs> what, it, what it is is basically you're correct with the victory beer and calling it an IPA. It is that Bengali that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, so it is an IPA. Okay. As is the second one. They're the same beer. Uh, what I did was what? actually I did add salt to the second beer. Oh. 
Now, the reason for that is not just simply to fuck with you guys, but because I've learned recently that apparently people do add salt to things all the time to cut bitterness. Well, you do that with fries. Wait, not bitterness. Yes. So yeah, apparently, <laughs> put it on like fruit and stuff. Yeah. As so well. one thing, oh, you do that with yeah, like eggplant. Yeah, like things Cantaloupe. like eggplant, but also like I've never heard this before. But like if people find coffee to be too bitter, uh, they will actually take and put like say a quarter of a teaspoon into the coffee, hmm. and it will mm. apparently take the bitterness right out of it. In fact, they say it is better at taking the bitterness out of things salt is than adding sugar. Okay, because I think we re- our taste buds respond to bitterness much more. Yeah. Um, so how is this a failure? Well, because I don't think you're necessarily supposed to taste the salt in I it. I think but you maybe put wh- too much in it then. I probably did. I was just guessing because I didn't know where you're measuring teaspoons were. I tried Second to measure out supportive. Town. I didn't realize the salt would come through that strongly, but I did like what Rob said when he yeah, said, oh, this sweeter. beer is much more sweeter, because yeah. that's basically what I was going mm. for. I was trying to bring out the sweetness in that beer. Of course, this IPA is already actually pretty sweet. Yeah, I it think. hits your yeah. mouth really um, sweet, and then it turns salty. That's okay. basically the effect. Well, see, now I, I immediately get the salt, just because I feel like I'm really sensitive to salt, so I was just kind of like, oh, wow, I really fucked that one up. But I'm kind of glad that like it still sort of worked out. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like We couldn't identify the second one as an IPA. So my, so my maybe my main uh, point of all this was if you find maybe IPAs to be just overly bitter, you can't stand hops. It's just something that's not in your wheelhouse. Maybe just try adding a tiny, tiny bit of salt to it. Interesting. Again, like quarter of a teaspoon, not a whole lot, or else you will kind of get that goza effect. I'm surprised that I thought that the the mouthfeel was so different after having it. Actually, really did. Salt. It, and maybe it, it was because the head was so strong on it that it it lost some of the carbonation due to Bengali tiger. the foaminess. You're right. They are they are a sweeter beer than the. Uh, Oh, Lagunitas. I should have known. Yes. Out of the giant world of beer, if you could nail a beer straight on, I would be super, <laughs> super, super impressed. Especially for IPAs, considering there's probably like 10,000 yeah. of them. In the I was thinking of doing yeah. that when I was coming back from Vermont with a variety of IPAs. I was like, and then compare them with like local IPAs. And I was going to do the, actually the same thing. I had this idea. Mm-hmm. Like blind taste. Like yeah. which one's from Vermont, which one's local. Oh my God. I would love yeah. to we should do more of that. That was really fun because, I mean, it's kind of scary. You're like, yeah. whoa. Uh, I don't have categories. Which one did I stick my dick into? Oh, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, wow, man. Yeah, there's the opening super <laughs> shady. Sticks into beer versus beer every week, Mike. Uh, sorry for being shady about it, but I was kind of like, does this actually work? So I sort of just wanted to have you, you be the blind guinea pigs for it. So I didn't think that the second beer was that awful. Really? I still would have I still would have rated oh, it, it fairly. I think it's, yeah. Oof, but no. I really like salt, so okay. maybe that's mm. that's on me. Like I love gozas like nobody's business, but um yeah, so I'm not particularly turned off like that. Turned off by that, but uh, yeah, it was interesting that it was the same beer, a pinch of salt, and it does dramatically affect the taste of the beer. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We cool. learned something. We did. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Thank I'd you. drink any beer you put your dick into. <laughs> Uh, that is not the consensus of the entire Black Tiger <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that is the opinion of person. I redact that statement. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on to a little point-counterpoint beer color problem. So Budweiser this year has been attacking craft beer based on its current image. From its Super Bowl ad about how pretentious craft beer is to the Shock Top commercials about mocking the mustachioed hipsters in fedoras, more obsessed with Instagramming their rare beer sips than the beer itself, Budweiser has certainly been on the warpath. But does craft beer have a serious image problem when it comes to race? Brian Roth, writer of the This Is Why I'm Drunk blog, which is a great name for a blog, wrote uh, an interesting article on the race breakdown of craft beer, citing that the stereotype of 
the fat, bearded, white hipster as having far too much validity, but also not being the entirety of craft beer. He argues there are many factors that perhaps, but that perhaps disposable income by virtue of racial in- income inequality might be a large factor in why the white man dominates the craft beer world, both as brewer and drinker. I thought we might sit down and try to dissect the whiteness quote-unquote problem with craft beer. So I guess to start, uh, there was two articles. The guy wrote something, uh, wrote this article talking about um, sort of an open question as to whether or not uh, craft beer has a white problem. And then he had a follow-up the next day after uh, his article went both positive places on the internet and some dirty, dirty, ugly places on the internet um, in which he had a follow-up post. And he's planning on having another post tomorrow to try to maybe sum up the uh, entirety of his thoughts based on reactions. So I guess the first question is, um, is there a color problem with craft beer, uh, given that the vast majority of both brewers and um, drinkers themselves generally are white males, at least in America? I'm going to respond from um, the inspiration from this Bengali can where it says beer is culture. I don't think it's necessarily there's a color problem. It's just that the culture is different, that there's just a culture that uh, maybe uh, the culture for African-Americans is not towards beer. I don't know what it what Maybe they have a preference for something else. Um, when I was younger, I went to my mother drank wine. My father drank whiskey. I went towards hard stuff immediately. And then I went towards beer. Um, because that was the culture that I was raised in. It had nothing to do with, I don't know, what other... It was was the culture I was around. It's interesting. He makes that point. He says that the 1980s offered a um, a schism, that um, there was definitely a marketing path for black beer culture, which uh, turned its attention very strongly towards malt liquor, Mm -hmm. that you had like Billy Dee Williams advertising Cold 45, 45, and that there was a bigger push for... You know, urban, if not just straight up black people drinking malt liquor. The um, that rap culture has embraced the forty as something more so than perhaps white music embracing a nice uh, pint of beer. Um, but he also talks about how um, craft beer, on average, is about twelve dollars per six pack, which is pretty expensive when it comes to fermented beverages. Um, and that, um, according to market research, seventy-eight percent of craft beer drinkers have a household income of more than fifty thousand dollars, and the majority. 60% of craft beer drinkers make more than $75,000, while the average income for Americans is 52000 hmm. And so he's, he's arguing that um, by some very strong standards that whites, white people have more disposable income in which to pay for luxury goods like blowing $12 on a six-pack of beer. It, it certainly is a nicety, like a luxury. Uh, I certainly don't quite meet those uh, averages as far as household income. Therefore, I sort of have to make sure I maintain uh, a level of what I'm buying as far as craft beer. Like I can't just go nuts and buy whatever I want all the time. Um, but I think it's sort of like, it's for me, it's, it's not really like a race issue. It's more like a hobby issue. Like anybody, everybody has hobbies. Right. And the hobbies that we're into, we're going to spend a lot more money on them than any anybody else will be that's not into it. Yeah, I don't think this is socioeconomic. I think this is like I don't drink for the sake of getting drunk. I I drink beer because well because I'm into craft beer now. Um, uh, it's not like oh if I couldn't afford craft beer then I'll be buying Miller Lite or something like that. I just won't be drinking beer then. It's I'm drinking beer because I like the, what I'm drinking. Does that make sense? 
So, I mean, the one case you're saying it's, it's based on disposable income, but it's like, that would suggest then that I'll be drinking beer regardless, but that's not the case. I mean, maybe I'll be drinking vodka or something. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily be going towards craft beer or towards 40s or anything. I really like what you said about beer being culture, um, because I think that hits the nail on the head in terms of how it might be exclusive. Like, beer has a particular vibe, uh, and like it or not, that vibe that it's throwing off is not necessarily inclusive. Like, people from the outside looking in, um, you know, they might not be into what high-end beer culture is putting down. Hmm. Um, You know, lately, it's definitely become very snobbish. It's mirrored the wine world in a lot of ways. Um, All sorts of obscure styles. What we like as beer nerds comes across as being almost impenetrable for a novice. Um, Isn't that true with everything, though, that has this type of niche? This, I mean... Would you say that whiskey throws off that vibe? Well, okay, the way that some people like whiskey, yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, can, can you tell the difference between a single malt and a blended? No, not personally. Okay, I mean, maybe... Are you willing some... to spend $18 on a single yeah. glass of whiskey? Or um, more. Or more, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Telus has things that go up into, like, almost triple digits for a single glass of whiskey, right. and that's... And more importantly, who will respect you for being able to tell the difference between those kinds of whiskeys? Are they people like you that you enjoy talking to and interacting with? Will they be people that you want to get to know? Uh, are those people, those whiskey people, your people? Uh, that's what you ask yourself when you're like, hey, should I get into craft beer or not? And so, I mean, you, you would look at a room and you'd be like, do I want to hang out with these bearded dudes? You know, uh, do I want to hang out with these bearded white dudes? Uh, when I look in, I'm like, hey, I like bearded white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And we like you. <laughs> but I, it's something that anyone who is not a bearded white dude must ask themselves at some point when they are drinking craft beer. Because you're forced to if you're just a self-aware human being. And so just being part of that culture and whether or not you feel like you belong or not. Um, is is a measure of that. I'm wondering if just because there's a lot of bearded white dudes, does that mean that it's ex- that is exclusive then? Just no, no, beer beer ha- is not. Uh, I mean, as as a woman, did you feel that you were pushed out? Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. I definitely okay. noticed a lot of exclusivity as far as gender goes between men and women, but I never really noticed a race issue. But maybe okay, that's I because did. I. I think the example that the author is going for as metaphor is it's almost as though a bunch of people sitting around a polo match are discussing, mm-hmm. do we have a race issue with polo? And so it comes down to two things. One, are the people who would enjoy polo multi-ethnic? And it's perfectly possible. They may sit there and say, well, we'll let anybody who has a horse and has practiced the art of polo to come in and play in our polo league. And that is a statement that they may honestly say but it's also got to be really hard to a have the wealth to own a horse or rent a horse to Mm -hmm. in order to practice polo and then b as a person who would be the single person of a you know non-caucasian background to walk in and say i'm going to play polo at your club or you know another maybe more realistic example would be golf where you have to pay a lot of money to play golf you have to buy the clubs you have to go to a country club and Mm -hmm. there has been a long tradition of being prejudicial against non-white people Mm -hmm. 
while playing golf. And you look at, you know, the PGA Tour, and there are, you know, a smattering of, of non-white people now. But that's fairly new compared to 20 years ago where, you know, and it's not like the PGA would say, we discriminate against anyone. But I think, as Emily's point is, the culture makes it hard for someone to say, I'm going, like Tiger Woods, I'm going to embrace this as my own. Um and you could argue that he had flack from uh, the African-American community saying that you're like, you're selling out. You're being an Uncle Tom by going and playing golf and doing the white people Did thing. Did anyone say that? I, Just because one one group is dominating a particular activity, I don't know if that means it's exclusive, though. Well, I think it's a difficult thing because as what Emily is saying, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, that like if you go as a new person into something and you do not look or feel like you are already a member that it's difficult to feel at home there and that if the community at large doesn't immediately come to embrace you that that can be off-putting like so like um in music eminem and the beastie boys took on rap very easily and effortlessly i mean there's their brand of of hip-hop despite it being um black majority um was accepted very very well I mean, there wasn't discrimination, as far as I know. And that gets into racial hierarchies that I don't particularly feel comfortable as being a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male as to whether or not white people going into minority culture is easier than minority cultures coming in, or minorities coming into white culture, mm. you know, if I'm going to draw dividing lines like that. Jimi Hendrix. And, um... Yeah, and I'm not saying that you can't point to examples where that would be great. I mean, obviously we have... Um, I mean, no one said anything about his race. From Brooklyn Brewing, um, Oliver... Uh, yeah, so Garrett Oliver yeah. is the like glaring exception. Um, he is, um, you know, <laughs> one of the few uh, African-American brewers in the scene and um, is uh, occupying kind of the... The gold standard, as it were, um, you know, constantly touring, um, distributing now across Europe from Brooklyn. Um, you know, he replaced Michael Jackson as the annual beer speaker at Nas- <laughs> National Geographic's uh, <laughs> beer event. Uh, Garrett Oliver is a rock star, <clears throat> is the long and short of it. Um, and he is an exceptional human being. He's just unique. Uh, and so I think that people view him as um, a <laughs> an individual, and then they comment on his race after that. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's always what I'm striving for, as a person as well. You know, I'm thrilled when people don't comment on the fact that I am a woman interested in beer or interested in brewing or drinking beer uh, because I've noticed that that's what people will say first when I'm um, entering a group oh you know they'll comment on my gender Mm -hmm. instead of treating me as an individual Uh, and so I think that that's what a lot of folks uh, from racial minorities are experiencing it's like oh this surprise that you might be into it and those that are of a type like you will also express surprise because they are not into it as well so you're in some ways not affiliating with your tribe and you're breaking into another tribe Uh, and all along the way no one's just treating you as an individual they just want to comment on your category and whether or not you're fitting into your category Uh, 
Well, I specifically like your category here in this podcast because you can make jokes that would otherwise seem very sexist by us. So. <laughs> what are you and talking I about, relish Justin? that role. <laughs> I relish that role. Yes, yes. What was that, Cox Brewing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's hard. I think obviously um, there's a very there's a debate going on um, with, um, and I know this is close to Emily's heart with uh, women in STEM. And that there are those who are arguing that we need to encourage women to go into STEM. And then there is a counter argument that's, that states that is it realistic to expect a 50-50 turnout, male-female, for STEM? That, what is STEM? Uh, uh, what is it? Science, technology? Engineering, engineering and math. math. Oh. So maybe, and this is really hard to prove one way or the other, which is why I'm not particularly fond of the, the, the against women in STEM arguments, is... Perhaps women are just not pre predisposed. designed or predisposed okay. to like these fields, and I, so I, I, is I, it, I like the beer as culture. I'm going to say that STEM is culture. As well, well, and that's the question: mm. Is it that minorities and women aren't as into beer because they aren't as into beer on average, or is it that there's something exclusive, or their barrier to entry is higher? That is a chubby hipstery bearded guy when i walk into a bar guys are like yeah he probably knows what he's talking about with beer give that man a beer talk to that man about beer but when emily walks into a bar when i walk into a bar and i ask a question about the beer the bartender turns to my boyfriend and gives him the answer because they assume that i'm not actually honestly asking the question and that is a shitty shitty thing to do you know oh god it happens all the time inexcusable to be honest i mean that happens when i'm at the bar i'm like well what's this like and they're like well do you like hoppy or not hoppy beers i'm like no i'm asking a specific question about those one beer like they're like totally dumbed down to me too so i mean maybe there is something going towards so as the fat bearded yeah. guy at the table, I get all the privilege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These extra pounds are worth something, I guess. <laughs> I think it's a cultural thing, you know, and I think that, um, you know, we're just striving to uh, treat people as individuals and not as um, members of whatever category that they're immediately perceived as part of. Well, I, honestly, I think the problem isn't so much that necessarily things have to change dramatically. I just think we really need to focus on highlighting the people who are already there. You know, Garrett Oliver is a great example, but they're, you know, I, I think I would imagine if you ask people who brews at Stout's Brewing, most of them would be like, oh, it's a male, you know, male brewer. No, fucking Carol Stout has been making their beers for decades. And I feel like while she has obviously some reputation within beer communities around here, that, that should be like a bigger deal as part of their marketing is that like this is beer you know made by a woman it's just as good as mm. any other beer well that's actually the paradox in both the beer industry and in stem um when you have it, for instance in the beer industry only one percent of the workers uh, of the brewers are female um and so highlighting the bright spots you know the role models mm. is great uh but until you get larger numbers you're really fighting an uphill battle well yeah. you had like denise richards in that james bond movie for stem right I mean, <laughs> wow, what? that might be the sexist, most sexist thing I've heard on the For podcast STEM? yet. Wait. She was a nuclear scientist, Christmas oh, Jones, from that terrible, Jones. terrible, terrible Pierce Brosnan thing, where she clearly was acting her heart out to seem intelligent, saying those big lurds like nuclear wessel. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, that was well, Chekhov there. Yeah, no. it, nuclear wessel. This is currently an issue in STEM, is that a lot of um, women want to mentor uh, girls uh, into STEM fields 
uh, but if they are not themselves professionals in the field, uh, they don't feel authentic in mentoring them in that way. You know, they, they're always searching for that elusive role model that has excelled in the field. And when there are vanishingly few, uh, it becomes a harder selling proposition. Um, people are like, hmm, you know, do you really want me to become an astrophysicist? Or are the boys really going to be like, you're a nerd. I don't want to date you. Or, you know, that you would get more encouragement going into elementary education or nursing, mm. for instance. You know, society bends over backwards to encourage women to go into those fields. Um, I never had this because, obviously, I've had the privilege of being a white male. Um, when you were when you were growing up and you're looking at prospective careers, I mean, did you look, was that, was that an issue? Was that a concern of yours? Like, I don't see a female doing that. Would I be comfortable doing that? Was it? Yeah. Okay. And even when I was in a PhD program in a scientific field, most of the professors were male. Hmm. And then they would choose their male students as their mentees. And so they would give them particular opportunities. For instance, they would say, ah, you'll would you become be a Mentos? My, <laughs> my <Sorry>. <laughs> I wish I was a Mentos. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that sounds explosively <laughs> successful. Uh, but yeah, it's really like, you know, I'll take you under my wing. You know, I'll show you how it's done. It, this is what happens in the work workforce constantly. It's just, here's an opportunity. You know, you, you seem like, you know, my kind of person. Uh, because you are just like me, um, and I can see myself in you. And, mm. you know, hey, you like brewing? Like, you should become a brewer. Like, no one would ever say that to me, or they they haven't until recently. If I show any sort of aptitude in a particular field, it's always surprise. It's always like, oh, I'm surprised you'd be interested in this. It's never like, we should give you opportunities in this field. This could become a serious profession for you. I think that that's the difference. Oh, huh. Okay. I th I'm hoping that it's also quasi-generational. I think it's difficult to have people in their 50s and 60s as professors, um, especially when we were in college, because we're getting a little old now, um, <laughs> who grew up in a world that was dramatically different than ours. And I'm hoping that um, by just being cognizant of that, you know, I, I wish that, you know, more... I'll try to not be like that. Well, and th no, it's a really serious question that if you're at the bar and a female friend of ours comes up and says, hey, wh what should I get? That the, ins the, the answer should not be, well, let's just go up to that fruit beer up in the corner mm. because you're a pussy little girl who doesn't know anything about beer. And instead be like, well, what do you really like? And let's have a conversation about that so I can pick something that's actually right for you. And maybe that's yeah. going to be a Russian Imperial Stout brewed in whiskey barrels that's going to blow your mind because it's just as likely that a woman might be into that as a man or hey maybe you've been homebrewing for forever and we should talk about that you know that there is shouldn't be um instances where there's assumptions that just because you have lady bits or you are not of the fairest of skin tones that therefore you cannot enjoy craft beer at the level that people who fit the stereotype um, and I think that that's fair. And I'm actually wondering, Jesse, if because you're not overweight and have a beard, a lush beard, that maybe that's you are why being discriminated against as Maybe well. that's why I was having that issue. You know, I have red hair and yeah. I'm going in there like, hey, what's this beard like? This is my, <laughs> how my voice sounds in my head. And, um, you know, and I'm <laughs> and up and up at the guy and the guy in uh, whatever that, Kilpatrick's. Yeah, it was Kilpatrick's bar, Irish bar. And he's like, well, tell me, do you like the hoppy beers or not hoppy? We're like, no, I want to know about this one. You know? <laughs> And uh, he was being addicted. Yeah, you have to be very firm with them. Yeah, I had to be firm. I guess if there is one issue with like uh, 
the beer scene is that they do tr- like to re- re- reiterate their own stereotype. I know anybody that's ever like got a Beer Advocate subscription, every month it's the same thing. The person on the cover is generally a larger bearded white male. And it's just like every month, same thing over and over and over again. All the pictures inside, a lot of the same thing. Mm. So I don't know, maybe they do for some reason hold that figure as knowledgeable mm-hmm. it is the, the archetype the it's yeah. it, like and i dropped the the beer advocate subscription for that very reason you know whenever a brewery a new brewery was started and they would cover it uh invariably it would be a husband wife team and if the wife was doing uh marketing or graphic design or sales mm-hmm. uh you know her role would be mentioned as um like just in in brief passing uh, and you know whatever it, it was that the brewer was doing, even if she was also involved in the brewery, it was just you know not a focus, not described, not not even touched upon as an element that was part of their business plan mm-hmm. um, or a creative team. It's just like you know they're they're in a supporting role. Enough said. So um, the blog posts, which we will have linked in the show notes. Um, the second article that the guy wrote, um, actually, he talks to an individual called uh, Os Cruz, who is a media, social media manager for beer, TalkBeer.com, and he shares a personal story um, about unintentional discrimination. So he was going, um, so he's a first-generation Salvadorian-American who was um, visiting breweries with his Salvadorian father, and they went into a tap room looking for friends at a soft opening for a new brewery. And he says, quote, immediately the baby, the lady behind the bar asks if we are with the construction crew outside a group of Latino workers. I find it just mildly offensive and a bit amusing since in no what in no way were we dressed like the guys that were working. She explains to me that it's a soft opening for friends and family only and that she could not serve me. We leave accepting that answer just with just mild discomfort about the racial profiling. And then the blog author goes on to say, was he upset about this? No, um, um, but he's been, and he basically responds, quote, I think the biggest thing is I'm not calling the brewery racist or anything. While I did get profiled and my father does not want to ever visit the place, it really just points out how much a minority can stand out in the craft beer world, that a Latino person walking into a bar was assumed to be a construction worker as opposed to an actual patron. But he's also working on um, bringing more people in uh, saying, quote, we have been trying to be a platform for Latino craft beer drinkers to be heard and seen for four years now. The question of why we aren't there yet or why there aren't more of us still lingers after all these years. But I've come to understand that the answer is multifaceted. The lack of diversity in the craft beer community stems from a cultural divide, a marketing challenge and access, unquote. So I feel like his answer is sort of what I, what we all have kind of come to is sort of a consensus is that there is a cultural issue here that craft beer seems to be culturally a white thing and perhaps a male white thing. Um, and that's in part by sort of default of maybe perhaps having more income. Also marketing outside, especially outside of like the main three, AB InBev and Miller Coors, you, most ads have white people at around a barbecue or whatever enjoying craft beer that there isn't necessarily a big push that like hey people of all genders and races and ethnicities can enjoy this beer and then um and so i think that's the marketing challenge and then perhaps access where like 
you know, think about our own town and where perhaps there's stronger minority neighborhoods and are any of the craft breweries um, located in any of the sort of more minority areas um, that we would have. So, like, you know, does the southeast end of town have any strong craft breweries? Now, we're a pretty small town. You can walk pretty much anywhere. But, you know, I'm thinking about the west end, and we've got a lot of bars that are big on craft beer um, pretty darn close to us. And when you get south and east, south of King and west uh, east of King, it kind of starts getting down into shadier bars where they probably aren't going to have a lot of craft beer because price is a bigger issue there. So that's sort of where I came down on it as I think we could do better as a culture, craft beer culture, to be more inviting. And I think um, not that we have to necessarily bend over backwards, but that the, when you run into people who are not there, don't make the assumption that they're not as knowledgeable or if not more knowledgeable than you and try to be as inviting as possible. I think that counts for everything. Be more inviting in STEM. Be mm. more inviting in any hobby you have. That if someone comes up to you, be like, I'm really into this thing. Do you really want to be in this, into this thing with me? And, Always uh, assume yeah. that you can learn from other people. I I agree with that statement. Yeah. Very much. That works, yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> all, right. you're all looking at me, yes. Boom! Agreement. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can file that under solved problem <laughs> and move along. So all right. The world has been saved. <laughs> We solved the white tiger. people problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, let's move on to beer versus beer versus beer canned edition. Beer versus beer. Mike and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter. One beer leaves. change that music uh, yeah. I got the dun, call dun, Andrew dun, back dun, dun. beer versus beer versus beer <laughs> so we discussed the merits and flaws of the many vessels that carry beer from brewery to bar to belly whether it is the keg or cask or bottle or can or keg all have their advantages and flaws and are often situational at best this week given that summer is at its peak of heat we wanted to again remark on the trend of canning beer this allows for beer to travel to places where glass isn't welcome allowing for fresh pints to be enjoyed when bottles aren't allowed while there is debate as to whether the bottle is truly superior to the can this eco-friendly durable package makes craft beer more omnipresent which is of course an awesome thing this week mike and emily and i went head to head to head with any beer that comes from a can so who wants to get this party started all right, so you're going first? Sure. If you want to, Elandis. My canned beer offering is created by Iron Maiden. It's called The Trooper. Handcrafted by Robinson's <coughs> Brewery in Cheshire, England, uh, and charged with flavor. Uh, this is an, a golden ale that is 4.7 ABV. Trooper is a premium British beer created by Iron Maiden and handcrafted at Robinson's Brewery. Being a real ale enthusiast, vocalist Bruce Dickinson has developed a beer which has true depth of character. Ooh. Yes. <coughs> onward, onward, road the 600. Uh, so let's try this uh, British golden ale, shall we? Yes. Oops. According oops, to Untapped, oops. it's malt flavors and citric notes form a, from a unique, form a unique blend of Bobek, never heard of that, Goldings and Cascade Hops. 
I've never heard of Bobek before. Except for Mimi Bobek from the Drew Carey show. Very funny, underrated show. I've never had this beer before. It looks awfully familiar. It's probably because I keep seeing it at the fridge yeah. and never actually get it. And the can is pretty freaking awesome. The logo on the front is pretty Iron Maiden-esque. Yeah. That's sexist. Iron Maiden, really? <laughs> <laughs> so since they're in cans, should Jesse actually be drinking this out of the can? Well, uh, yeah, he can if he wants. I'll be drinking out of the glass. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd all lose. You said it was a Thank you. Bel- uh, Belgian Strong? Nope, Golden Ale. Golden Ale. Golden Ale, okay. It's a Golden Ale, and uh, hmm. apparently it has a subtle hint of lemon. Uh and Goldings and Cascade Hops dominate mm. this deep golden ale. Deep golden. Oh, it's also it also has Bobek hops, which I'm not familiar yeah, with. I just covered that. Bobek. Bobek. Sebab backwards. Seba Sebab. Hmm, that's very light. I like it. Hmm. That's a bit of a... Jesse, are you familiar with the Iron Maiden song, The Trooper? Not maybe not that one. Maybe if you sung it to me. Go ahead, sing it. <laughs> Are you allowed I, to sing? Is that copyright No, no, it's fine. Cool. No, they're not listening. <laughs> and our three listeners will not tell them. No, they won't. Are you gonna sing it? Uh, no, I decline. Run to the hills. <laughs> Mm. Hmm. That's a different one. But interesting. It's a bit of a bitter finish on it. That's interesting. On it. It's kind of fluffy. Yeah. Fluffy. Yeah, there's like a bitterness there. Kind of like a English bitter, but yeah, lighter. Which I guess is where the golden comes from. Yeah. Huh. Mm. I must get like a Robinson's. <laughs> Which song is this? This is the Trooper by Iron Maiden. <laughs> Oh, great. Sexist title. This song is way more hardcore than this beer. Iron Maiden. Yeah, right? I was going to say, this <laughs> trooper is the... Yeah, I know. The beard doesn't really <laughs> match the song, yeah. Some serious guitar going on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Iron Maiden, man. All right, before we get sued. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't think of necessarily that style of music with this sort of beer, but um, I like <laughs> this. I'd drink this again. I would sure. think this style of music for this style of beer. <laughs> Really, wouldn't. I was thinking darker something. No, around. yeah, no. This is four point seven percent ABV. Doesn't scream uh, Iron Maiden to me, but <laughs> um, now it's tasty as a cold now. I really like that. I wish a lot of those fans would drink four point seven. Are you working too many concerts? And <laughs> fair enough, Jesse. Fair enough. Um, so Mike, what do you got for us? All right. So we had a little sneak preview earlier, but I'm having the joint custody beer by Otter Creek Brewing Company in collaboration with Jack's Abbey Brewing. It is a pilsner, but as they describe it, a nouveau pilsner. Oh. Uh, inspired by the German French. brewing background of both brewmasters Mike Gerhardt and Jack Hendler from Otter Creek and Jack's Abbey, respectively, are bringing their teams together to brew this beer joint custody. It features whale melon and mandarina Bavaria hops. Whale melon? H-U-E-L-L. Huel? Huel? Never heard of it. That and the Bobek hops. What, what, what's the word coming to? Yeah. Pulling these hops out of their ass. I don't know where they're getting these things from. So Some kind of melon. Yeah. And Mandarina Bavaria. They're just making this stuff up, What is they? that? 
Is that a Bavarian Mandarin Orange? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Is there an Iron Maiden song that goes with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there really should be. That's no, two white dudes in front of a uh, VW van, so... <laughs> All right, so that's not Iron Maiden. More more fish, less less Maiden. Yeah, this is definitely a Otter Creek uh, label, which yeah, I've been yeah. enjoying their stuff. Um, they, they did a, something last year with um, Jack's Abbey, and I think... Um, I want to say Lawson's, actually. Okay. And it was phenomenal, whatever the hell it was. I remember on, checking in on Untapped and being like, holy God, and then... Um, um, getting a uh, comment back being like, glad you like the beer. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I enjoy that Twitter allows um, breweries to actually mm. communicate. Want to hand mic that glass as well? Yeah. Mm. So I enjoy that we're, not that you guys know what I'm about to serve, but um, we're all going for different styles of beer, which is good. awesome. Good, good, good. When the category is canned, it's a wide open field. It really, really and is. And we're living in a golden age of beer, so it could be anything. Emily claims that she can taste them all and know exactly what they are, so uh, <laughs> that's ballsy. Ballsy. What What are you looking for? Oh, no, there's a little left. Oh, okay. Have some more. Finish that. I like the head on this beer, or the smell of the nose. Something funky about it, but... Hmm. So that's on oak chips? Uh, no. Excuse me? What, this beer? Bacon powder. O- oak chips? Yeah. Squeeze me. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, can I see the label? Yeah. Here you tell me. Yeah, I don't get any oakiness out of it, but maybe I'm wrong. Ah. There's like a. No. I mean, it's a, it's a interesting. Like, I definitely got lager notes, but it's definitely like they say, like nouveau. Basically, it's like the IPL category. Everybody's really getting into a very yeah. hoppy, but not like a bittering hop. More of that, yeah, kind of melon. There's like a sweetness initially, and then it does kind of fade to a. I mean, I get a hoppy or a bitter lingering in the back yeah. of my throat when it finishes. Um, not that it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, Th- these are very melon esque, I'd say. They're very, yeah. a very sweet cantaloupe. What was the ABV again, Mike? Uh, 6.2. Mm, not bad. I like it. It's got a mouth, nice mouthfeel to it. Um, There's something a little musky about it that I really yeah. like. I swear I taste a little bit of wood. There's something I just want to like chew on it. I don't know. I can't place the flavor, but there's something I just kind of like want to gnaw on it. Maybe that is a hint of oakiness that's not even there. But yeah, that's a fine choice. That's really good. Yeah. Nouveau Pilsner. Nouveau Pilsner. Joint custody. Hmm. Oh, is there a dog on the can too? Yeah, I think they're hanging out with a dog. Yep. Well then, there's the winner. Yeah, white dudes and a dog. Is the craft we- a beer world anti-cat? Yeah, I yeah, hope so. Discuss it amongst is, yourselves. Come no. on, flying dog brewery. What the hell's your problem? Yeah. Wait, who's the creeper in the van? Do you see that? Somebody in the van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some guy just kind of like with a weird smile, looking out of the van. Kind of looks like an adult Hank or uh, Bobby that, Hill. That's yeah. the drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. That, I love how they both have Dave. <laughs> I love how they both have a leash for the dog. Uh, so well, in case well, I guess that's what they're having. The that's what they're having joint custody over. I thought it was joint custody over the van, but apparently it's the dog. Oh, the dog. Oh. Um, before I drink, they make inappropriate comments about yeah. joint custody of a dog. Yeah. I'll <laughs> move on to my beer. 
Uh, so my beer is Evil Twin Brewing's Molotov Light. Ooh. Described as such. <laughs> Back in the days, which is hilarious, only uncomplicated and tasteless beers existed, and people started feeling bored before happy hour was up. Molotov Light is an understated tour de force in rebellious hoppiness. It's a subtle spark for action, and yet by far one of the most anti-authoritative beers ever made by Evil Twin Brewing. It is an imperial IPA, though it doesn't quite taste like it, um, brewed by Two Roads Brewing in, um, what's that, CT is Connecticut? Yep. Holy shit. Wait, is it a light beer? There's it's light no. in the name. I just it's had an, their Molotov cocktail, like their not light version of that. It's uh, an imperial IPA, but it's it's um, 8.5%, but it doesn't actually like really taste like that at all. That's confusing. Molotov light. Yeah, well, I think they have a Molotov, and I think this is the lighter version mm. of it. Yeah, I, I just had the regular version of that so, like this um, last weekend with uh, Megan's brother, Devin. It was very syrupy. Emily, you got a glass? Then I can provide you some delicious, oh. delicious Thank beer. Thank you. Emily, Mike, you got a glass? Yes. Somewhere. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? You want to share this with me? No. No. Don't Isn't share. Thank you, sir. Ooh. It's actually quite similar to the, the regular Molotov cocktail. I think the regular one just had a little bit more ABV on it. Here you go. That's strong. Yeah. The regular one had more. It was like your it's barley wine level. <sighs> I think it was like thirteen percent. Whoa, there's a hefty smell on this one. Whew. It smells like fuel. <laughs> really? Yeah, smell it. I mean you can definitely mm. tell there's gonna be alcohol behind that for sure, but um, Yeah, yeah, the thing it's there's a nice sweetness to that nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not quite gasoline level, mm-hmm. there, but I do off weirdly find the smell of gasoline to be pleasant. <laughs> As do I. There's something about it, just the fact that it's robbing your brain cells of the oxygen, I think. Mm. Ooh, like, oh. that is nicely flavored, though. Yeah. That is lighter than I would consider a double IPA in mouthfeel. Don't really get much of an... I don't get any alcohol burn at all. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of burn on this. Yeah, I got a lot of alcohol on that. Hmm. Well, nope. Wow. Um, but it's nice and sweet, and there's a. Uh, I get like a a burn, but it's not not only alcohol; it's more actually like a sp- spicy pepper to me. Oh, mm. to me this the sweetness predominates, and the sweet and the heavy alcohol for me is a it's a hard combination for me to sip. Um, yeah, I get a lot of sweetness than the alcohol. Yeah, sweetness, the yeah. So it's it's something that I, I like. I like a small amount, but I wouldn't consider it super quaffable. Mm. Ooh, but it really burn. Yeah, just burns going down. But it is like I don't know, like something spicy. Um, it, I I see a lot of like a cocktail in this though. Speaking of like drinks that we were talking oh. about earlier, like Molotov hmm. cocktail. Yeah. 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 That level of alcohol for sure. Yeah. Right. I feel like the sweetness has like a couple of layers to it, which is interesting. There's like a combination of sweetness there, so it's not just like boom, malts. That there's something a little bit more going on than that. Um, yeah, I'm not saying we're gonna have like three of these in a row or anything, but uh, I would happily have a pint of that. And yeah, at 8.5 percent, that might be it for the night. But um, uh, 
Uh, that's really tasty. I enjoyed that. I'd be curious to see what the actual malt ale t- tastes like in comparison. Yeah, really. I'm sorry, we already drank it. Well, that's all right. I'm not saying. Yeah, we're uh, sharing it. I'll you keep an eye out for his it. tent, and so we decided that <coughs> the cost was to uh, share a beer with him. Hmm. Sounds delightful. Uh, the can is a beautiful black with a cute little blue logo of the very, triangles all over it. Yeah, origami kind of. Polygonal yeah, kind of look of the evil there. twin. Oh, cans. I love the evil twin can designs. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty amazing. Very. Uh, what, what are those called? Sketchers categories. Uh, Silligrams. When you ha- when you have like the oh, shapes. Tangrams. Tangrams. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say Let's Jesse go has Megan. those. Hey Megan. Hey Megan, come here. Hello. We have the Molotov light. We had the the cocktail. The the this is the light that we saw at the the fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If a mission goza sounds delicious. <laughs> I'd be very curious. How do you feel about that? Of course it's limited edition. Yeah, I do too. Mm, nice. Yeah. Mm. Exactly that is the problem with those bigger beers. So anyway, it's not really up to Mike or Emily or myself. It's really up to Jesse. So Jesse, with three beers in play, All right. um, maybe we should go first, second, and third. Yeah. <laughs> Most favorite, second favorite, and least favorite. All right, so Mike, Rob, Emily... Oh, all right. Um, Wait, I'm first? Yes, you are. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, yes. your beer was first. Cool. Um, I really like your beer, actually. Um, There is a... Sorry, you're having it after the Molotov cocktail light, which is like means it's almost nothing. That just completely destroys your palate. Like maybe have some water first. But it's uh, I, I I do I I've been a sucker for this these kind of like hoppy lagers or pilsners lately. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. really? I mean, so I've been going for them. Um, I do. I was it was close though with Rob because I've been um, I've been drinking a lot of these evil twin beers lately mm-hmm. that we brought back from Connecticut and. Uh, and I do like this one definitely more than the Molotov cocktail, the regular one. We just had that with uh, Megan's brother, Devin, where, like I said, it was, like, I think the percentage was like 13, so it was even more. So it was just like, holy shit. Mm. That I would see an alcohol burn going Yeah, <laughs> we, and we only had like, you know, you only had like a, a half a glass. It's like, I have actually think I've had three beers here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emily, I'm sorry. It was at the bottom. That's okay. I hadn't drunk it before. I bought it entirely based upon the uh, label, the Iron Maiden Connection. Oh. I've done that before. It was a novelty yeah. purchase. Uh, I've done that I didn't as well. think it was that good either. <laughs> and I think that uh, the fact that they didn't call it an amber ale until the like very last sentence of the small print in the back is worrisome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a commentary on the state of British brewing, unfortunately. Well, it's good to see the Americans won yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Even if Evil Twin was brewed out of Connecticut. Although they also, uh, they're gypsy brewers. They also have, uh, they do a lot of brewing it with uh, Westbrook out of North Carolina. So, um, they're kind of several places, which is cool. Um, but yeah, Evil Twin's really, really good. Um, and obviously, um, was it Otter, was it Otter Creek and um, who was the other one? Otter Jack Savvy. Oh, Jack Savvy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both great breweries. So, um, and I love the fact that it's a collab. So, well done, Mike. I think okay. I won the last two, so that uh, brings you a little bit closer. I think you're probably still in the lead, but uh, hey, Emily has a long total, way to it? go. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. You'll be lucky if I keep on bringing you beers. Well, we'll all right. So Emily came in. <laughs> We're gonna bring her up to second there. <laughs> Look, we didn't just bring you on the podcast so you can make sexist remarks and give us a shield to hide behind. All right, all right. Mike and I say we love the taste of Mike's dick in our beer all the time. We get in trouble, but uh, you said it's acceptable. Dick in your beer. You're coming in late, Meg. Yeah, Don't man. judge. <laughs> anyway. 
that's it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed our canned beer episode. Um, we obviously think that summertime means you can drink beer in any goddamn container you want, but when you're out in a uh, public park, you should probably take a can over bottles just to prevent having glass shards all over the place by accidental uh, breakage. Join us next week as we have a sample episode called the best beer in the world question mark <gasps> yes finally as special guests uh <gasps> lawrence and rebecca pauline have traveled all the way from london and smuggled in their suitcase oh i was can't wait a bottle of west veteran 12 so how do you say sitting- that west, west veteran west yeah it's w-e-s-t-v-l-e so that v-l veteran veteran um i think that's, that's pretty close veteran westy 12 it's belgian so who the fuck veteran <laughs> but we have a bottle of it um and uh unfortunately it's a you know it's a regular sized bottle so there's not a lot to go around but mm. we will all get a sip we'll all lap at it of the west veteran 12 which uh uh, by most accounts, is the Citizen Kane of beers. So it <laughs> might not be your personal favorite. Um, may not Kane be heads and shoulders of the best, but on most best beers in the world list, it is the best, much like Citizen Kane Citizen is always Kane. the top of all movies, mm. even though if you watch that thing, it's boring as shit. Rosebud. Um, I respect what? it for the history of movies, but it's, it's a pretty I thought it was a good movie. movie. The music is great. Bernard Herman kicks ass. Mm. Oh, the performances are great. It's just it's a little slow. Uh-huh. It's a little slow. Mm. Cinematography is, is revolutionary, which is why I totally appreciate it. But, um, you know, if I were to sit down and someone says, let's watch a movie like four times in a row... Uh, oh God. If that were Citizen Kane, I might want to shoot myself. So, what's the know. weekend at Bernie's beer? <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, with with with, uh, uh, with with that movie though, there's um there's a hint at what Rosebud is, and it's based on the music. So, there's this little theme that whenever they're talking about Rosebud, there's this, <laughs> I forget what the theme is exactly. The music theme that Bernard Herrmann came up with, the light motif, it's supposed to represent <laughs> Rosebud, but. Go and on. so early on in the film, there's a scene where he's sledding, mm-hmm. and you hear that music, and you're supposed to magically pick that together like oh oh i it's heard that sled. theme and he's he, i hear that theme now while he's sledding that means that it's the same thing like i'm sorry but i don't think anyone else is paying attention as closely to music as i am i still haven't seen it oh but oh. i know it's a sled it's okay no spoiler alerts oh yeah it's, i've never seen it it's a t- it's a tough one because you watch it and go yeah that looks like every other movie i've ever seen the problem was no movie looked that way before Citizen Kane. That Orson oh. Welles basically invented modern cinematography, so most of modern movies owe uh, their cinematography at least going back as far as Citizen Kane. But the problem is we've had how many decades of movies since We're then? We're jaded. And, well, no, you're just used to it. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the cinematography has symbolism. Yeah, I get it. You know, we've been doing that for... 50 years but at the time it was a huge goddamn deal seems heavy-handed because we're used to transformers movies yeah michael bay man <laughs> that dude makes money there's a like lot well. of symbolism <laughs> in transformers <laughs> it's that people love transforming robots that are vaguely racist and uh women who are somehow mis- covered in water despite uh Westerleven next week we're gonna sample the best goddamn beer in the world and uh, we'll give you our thoughts so definitely don't miss that um i'm worried that we're gonna have 50 different clingers on who are gonna come in and want to sip of this but uh we'll make no. it work no we won't so thanks who for have listening. you told um, well, it's going to be us plus the happy couple that brought the beer. Ah, oh. fuckers. You know? So uh, that's, that's what it'll be. 
So thanks for listening, and as always, keep on drinking. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and keep drinking. Keep drinking.